0: Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish.
1: Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish. a collection of Michael's favorite interviews with authors from the last 30 years through today, on the air, on radio.
0: What sets my book club apart is that I actually read the books. Book Club is now in session. We talk so often here about America's anger issues that we even have our own T-shirts for sale on my website, which, Wishful Thinking, say... Angry is over. My next guest, Arthur Brooks, believes we don't have an anger problem so much as we have a contempt problem. He gave a speech at Harvard University's Kennedy School two years ago that got a lot of attention online. I watched a a minute or so in anticipation of my conversation with him. I want you to hear what he had to say then before we say hello
2: we don't have an anger problem in american politics we have a contempt problem in american politics contempt is defined by social psychologists as the utter conviction of the worthlessness of another human being if you listen to people talk to each other in political life today they talk to each other with pure contempt when somebody around you treats you with contempt you never quite forget it so if we want to solve the problem in polarization today we have to solve the contempt problem i sometimes write with the dalai lama i was thinking about this contempt problem i said your Holiness. What do I do when I feel contempt? And he said, practice warm-heartedness. And I started thinking about it, and it's true. When I do that, when we do that, when we have leaders who can do that, it's utterly world-changing. Catch yourself. You can show true strength if next time you hear contempt, you answer with warm-heartedness. Every single one of us is gonna have an opportunity on social media or in person, to answer somebody's contempt. Are you gonna do it the right thing and make the world a little bit better and show your strength and make your enemies your friends? Or are you gonna make the problem worse? That's a question that each of us gets to answer probably in the next 24 hours.
0: This is Arthur Brooks. The book is titled, Love Your Enemies. How decent people can save America from the culture of contempt. Arthur, thanks so much for being here. Hi, Michael, how are you? It's a tall order to love one's enemies <laughs> in this climate.
2: It's true. It really is true. It's a hard thing to do. But you know what? It's the biggest opportunity that each one faces today. You know, when somebody treats us with contempt, we get to choose our reaction. And, And one of the things, I have this book that comes out today called Love Your Enemies. And why did I write it? Because I want people to be more persuasive. Nobody has ever been hated or insulted into agreement. And when somebody treats you with contempt, you answer with kindness, even if you don't feel it. I talk in the book about the brain science of not having to feel it. You will be more persuasive and you will be happier
0: do you see anyone practicing? I read the book obviously do you see anyone practicing what you preach in this in the current political environment
2: I see tons of people in in daily life in community life and you know in the, in, in family life who are practicing this and I even see politicians are doing it not much at the national level when you look at the Democrats and Republicans today they're trying to contempt each other out of business and fire people up and you know, get votes and get—frankly, a lot of people getting profit, fame from this. But at the local level, I see governors, I see mayors, I see—I see people who are just trying to make their communities better all the time. And I think that's coming to national politics.
0: Well, I look at the uh, the 2020 growing presidential field, and I—I I recently spent some time with John Hickenlooper. Hickenlooper has never run a negative ad, and yeah. I think to yeah. myself, you know, guy. here. You know, you, you address in the book, uh being nice may bring you friends, but does it help or harm you in your career? And as I was reading, I was wondering, yeah, and how about a political career? How about by the way, a media career? Can you can you yeah. do what Arthur Brooks is recommending and get elected to national office? Could you run a national radio program?
2: Well, you do, Michael. I mean you're the living proof that you can actually. I'd be like to think I'm
0: trying, yeah. but I you know, I don't know.
2: Yeah, no, and, and frankly, you know, I'm, I can write a book that can get on the bestseller list talking about how people are, are, are can treat each other with love and kindness. And and I've got the social science data. I've got the facts. I have the brain science that shows that when people see you answer the hatred of other people with kindness, they see a true leader. Is it, is it hard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes I fail. It's just easy to fail. But but when you do that, you have the self-discipline to do it. People will see you as a strong and authoritative leader. And in the long run, you will win.
0: I'm going to read from the book. I, I love the way you begin Chapter 5, and then you can explain. I'm going. To, you write, I'm going to give you a list of one-sentence demographic identities of four people. As you read them, as I read them to you, knowing nothing else—I want to say this to my radio listeners in cars across the country— Form a mental picture and ask yourself what you feel about each person. Person number one, a Spanish-speaking immigrant woman, raised in poverty in a dictatorship, comes to America as a young adult and works at a minimum wage job. Number two, a politically conservative young man from an upper-middle-class family who studies at an Ivy League university. Three, a farmhand in rural in rural Idaho who spends his days driving a combine and his free time hunting and fishing for a girl orphaned at birth in a small village in China who later winds up against all odds living in the United States. Arthur, why are those four composites in the book?
2: Those four composites are in the book because I talk about identity politics and the fact that we reduce each other to demographic identities. I put those in there because everybody listens to us is sort of, naturally sympathetic toward a couple and maybe not so much, maybe even hostile toward the others. But then I do a big reveal. which is I say, what do these people have in common? You like, like nothing. Well, they are respectively my wife and my three children. And what we have in common is intense love for each other and a common story and a love for God and the things that really matter most. And that's what we have to remember in our world today. We have everything alike and not that much is not alike.
0: Well, I like to say that there's always a common denominator. You may have to look for it. You may have to work a little bit for it. But much to your point, don't reduce to soundbite or label or you'll never see it.
2: That's right. You know, and love your enemies. I give these really practical lessons on how people can improve their own lives and and, and be seen as leaders and be more successful. And most importantly, Michael, in the current environment, I don't say we should agree because we shouldn't. You and I have strong political views. And you should express your political views. That's what it means to be in a competitive democracy. But to do so in a way where you have a fighting chance of persuading somebody. And nobody has ever been persuaded by hatred and contempt.
0: How does someone go from the city orchestra of Barcelona to writing about love?
2: I played in the Barcelona Orchestra when I was in my 20s. As a matter of fact, I dropped out of college when I was 19 and took what my parents called my gap decade playing music. And then I went back to, went back to college, and then I did my PhD and, and became a, a, a social scientist and running a think tank. And, and this is a great country, Michael. One of the things that I'm so grateful for is that tons of people listening to us today have reinvented themselves. That's why people come to this country is to reinvent themselves. And I'm living proof that you can do it. You can drop out. You can drop in. You can, gosh, I love this country. You can do everything in America.
0: When I read that part of the book, I, it confirmed for me something I've long believed, which is that there are politics in every setting, in every endeavor, politics among cops, among firefighters, teachers, even in an orchestra. Who knew that the bullies were the uh, conductors. I didn't until I read your book. <laughs> it's
2: so funny. You know, when I was playing in the symphony orchestra, the guy in front who's directing the orchestra, you know, we used to say that some of these conductors are evil geniuses, but they're all evil. <laughs> we said, it. And they would bully us and push us around. I, I learned a lot about leadership at that point. I'm the CEO of a I'm a think tank now, and, it, and it's just it's, – I, I treat the people who work with me in a very different way. I try to empower them, and, and that's one of the things about America If you want to be a successful leader at any level. And everybody listening to us is a leader. You have influence in your families and in your workplaces, and, and to show how to do it in a loving way even when you disagree, that's the secret to success in this book.
0: Arthur, I'm not giving it all away for free, but I I want you to speak about one of the five rules to subvert the culture of contempt. The one that stood out to me was rule number two, escape the bubble, go where you're not invited, say things people don't expect. Explain. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that people do today in American modern American life is they surround themselves with people who agree with them. They silo their social media feeds. They only watch a news network where people agree with them. They maybe even go to a school or a church, live in a community where everybody agrees with them. That's a big mistake. People who live around people who think differently, they, they become stronger, they can make their case in a more persuasive way, and they see that people who disagree with them are really human just like them. They become better leaders and more successful and more persuasive. So we all have this opportunity to do this, to embrace a community where not everybody thinks alike. It really gives richness to life and makes us happier more successful.
0: Arthur Brooks is the president of the American Enterprise Institute. He's the author of the brand new, as in today, Love Your Enemies, How Decent People Can Save America from the Culture of Contempt, and writes for The Washington Post.
1: This is the Book Club with Michael Smirconish podcast from Sirius X.
0: Spring, is that you?
1: Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Albert's, now in fresh colors. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app.
0: Arthur Brooks is the president of the American Enterprise Institute. He's the author of the brand new, as in today, Love Your Enemies, How Decent People Can Save America from the Culture of Contempt, and writes for The Washington Post. You wrote in The Washington Post something that caught my eye recently. I, I, I loved this assessment because I'm a big fan of Gene Twangy. And I think that Dr. Twangy, who's a psychology professor at San Diego State University, is really on to something. She still speaks in terms of of correlation, not causation, but she's addressed mental health issues among American youth uh, and the rise of our technology dependency. And you took her work and then expanded on it by describing the Werther fever. Help me explain (laughs) this whole subject to my to my audience.
2: Jean Twenge is a social psychologist at San Diego State University, and she's identified the fact that the biggest problem in happiness among young people—people people in their teens and twenties today—is a lack of romantic love because of fear. And so, what they find that people are about thirty percent less likely to be in love who are in their twenties today, as people were, Michael, when you and I were in our twenties. That's catastrophic because love is the nuclear fuel of happiness. In this piece in the washington post i go back to the eight the 1770s when there's this massive outbreak of suicides among young men who are killing themselves because of, because of love because of romantic love we have the opposite problem today we have the opposite of what they called worth fever in those days and what i talk about is that we need to be entrepreneurial in our lives by giving our hearts away so when i talk to young people i say you're not an entrepreneur unless you allow yourself to fall in love i talk about that and love your enemies too
0: the, the absence of dating, or maybe the decline in the rates of dating, uh, the percentage of high school seniors who went on dates in 2015 has fallen to 56%. It had been yeah. 85% with Gen X. What's going on?
2: People are afraid. Now, one of the things is, of course, that there's social media, which is substituting for in-person relationships, and, and greatly increases depression, anxiety, and loneliness. But it's also that we're bringing up our kids in a climate of fear. We don't let them out of the house. We suggest that other people could hurt them. We tell them there's a rape camp, uh, culture on every campus. It, it, it's good that we actually try to, to to get rid of predatory behavior, but I think that we have a tendency to make them. We freak them out, and the result is they come out and when they're in their 20s and they they just don't participate in life fully. Look, we we got to take care of each other, and you know we have to recognize that some people do hurt each other, and there has been things like like predatory sexual behavior on campuses, but. But it's important to date.
0: Yeah, who who knew we would be rooting to reverse a trend of less sex among twenty somethings? But that's really I what know. this has brought about.
2: I know it's just crazy, and I, I I hope people will behave in a way that suits that where they behave. They live up to their own morals, to be sure. But but I don't want to rule out love because love is what makes life happy for people. Brotherly love. Family love, love for, even love for strangers and showing love. But, but romantic love really is at the core of a lot of these things. Love your enemies is about showing love even when you don't feel it and giving people the power to do so and thus kind of win and be happier.
0: Final question for Arthur Brooks, going to test your bona fides on your own book. Are you ready?
2: <laughs> yes, sir.
0: Having read it, you've put a song in my head that I can't shake. It's okay because I like the song. What's the song?
2: Oh, the song. What song? Is it a popular song? Baby Don't Hurt Me. How about that? What is it?
0: No, no. Uh, more Cowbell. What's the song? Oh, More Cowbell. <laughs> it's
2: uh, it's a, a Blue Oyster Cult. Don't Fear and the Reaper. Was, don't. Yeah. Man, you see, the thing is, I learned that song, not from right. Blue Oyster Cult. I learned it from the Saturday Night Live sketch, which I talked about at the, the beginning. Of with Will of the Ferrell. Chapters. With Will Ferrell. Exactly right. The yeah. greatest thirty it live sketch of all time, more cowbell.
0: Christopher Walken and uh and Will Farrell, More Cowbell. And you know, if I'd seen it, I'd forgotten it. You made me go find it. And now I can't <laughs> get it out of my head. Hey Arthur, it's I so wish you all good go- I wish you all good things. The book is titled Love Your Enemies. The author is Arthur C. Brooks. Thank you for being here. Love your program. Thanks, Michael. Nice of you to say.
1: Hear more of Michael Smirkanish on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or any time on the Sirius XM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Spring? Is that you? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot Code SUPER24. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And